my god, I can't keep living like this. The Vikings win 34-28 on a walk-off victory in another completely insane and deranged game. The Vikings will never let us have a moment of peace, but at least we're in the bye week at 3-3, three and three, right? This is the Locked On Vikings podcast. Let's pick up the pieces. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings podcast your first listen of every day. I am your host, your pal, and Katie copied off in math class. My name is Luke Brown. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Brown NFL, and the show is on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. And today, of course, we're picking up the pieces of the Vikings, 34-28 to 28 overtime walk-off victory against the Carolina Panthers. Go check uh, the locked the at Lockdown Vikings Twitter account to see me sh- literally shaking after the game. This one was so stressful, uh, and I've had a little bit of time to rewatch and process it. So let's go into the way this game went down. Um, and overall, it was an unbelievably sloppy, sloppy game. The Vikings walk away with 11 penalties for 93 yards on the end of the day. Panthers have three turnovers. This absolute total mess of a game, as Vikings-Panthers games have been since, like, I don't know, the last, like, three decades. So, look, the Vikings defense played really, really well to start, but the, uh, the, the they kind of collapsed at the end. The offense disappeared for most of the second quarter, but otherwise played really well elsewhere. This is really, like, incomplete game, and we'll kind of do a vibe check on that later. Um, but for now, I want to start with the defense and the defense started the very first play from scrimmage was a Bashad Breland of all people interception. Fantastic way to start the game, right? He just, um, played man coverage really well. It came really late in the play. The Vikings couldn't get pressure, but Darnold couldn't find anybody open. He was playing really panicky and stuff and he threw a really dumb pass. Breland jumped it and got the pick, right? And, uh, we'll talk about the offense later. We'll just focus on the defense for now. Um, but on the first touchdown where the Panthers got the ball on a, after a, an, an offensive fumble, um, the touchdown itself, it was a pretty poor drive, although the, the, the Panthers started on the 18 yard line. So it's hard to blame them too much. Although on the touchdown itself was a Chuba Hubbard run, running touchdown. Um, I think it was a misfit on either Kendricks or Griffin. So blame one of those two guys. They looked like they had miscommunicated. They both went to the same gap. But after that, the clamps kind of went on Um, play after play by Everson Griffin, Daniel Hunter, Dalvin Tomlinson had a great game. Uh, Eric Kendricks, Anthony Barr thought had an especially good game. The secondary was pretty good. Panthers got a touchdown, a field goal drive, and then they got a punt block touchdown. And for most of the game, that was pretty much all of the scoring that the Panthers were able to muster. Otherwise, it was just clamps on Um, that punt block touchdown. By the way, while we're on it, I think that was Weatherly's fault. I'm pretty sure that was Weatherly's fault, actually. Uh, Fairly certain. The uh, it was a stunt, just a little twist on the pass rush, and Weatherly just didn't see the guy. Didn't he? He went all the way down to like start covering the punt before he saw that a guy had run past him and blocked it, and then they recovered it for a touchdown. Um, reads wise, I thought Anthony Barr in particular was like all over everything. Like they had a really really difficult time deceiving him, um, and that makes things just so hard when it's play action and linebackers aren't biting on it. I I think he found a tell. Whatever he found in the Panthers, I think he found something that told him run or pass because he was not fooled by anything. He was all over everything. He was defeating blocks. I thought Anthony Barr had a really really nice game. Um, of course there were there in addition to the interception, there was a DJ Moore fumble uh, catch fumble, and then also a strip sack 
of Sam Darnold. That also helped stymie the Panthers when they did have anything going on. Um, it, really, there was just nothing for the Panthers all day until that final collapse. Of course, they missed Christian McCaffrey in this game. Last time we talked, I didn't think Thielen or Jefferson would play. Both of them ended up playing. Um, and that got announced like two seconds after the, the show went live on YouTube, which is great. Um, but yeah, the the... So they, they really missed Christian McCaffrey in both pass protection and in, of course, in the run game. Um, but the pass rush was just there. You got an uh, Armin Watts got the got a was the one who got the fun, the strip sack. Um, you had a James Lynch sack on a twist like everybody was getting involved. It was mostly Griffin and Hunter being Griffin and Hunter, though. And those guys just are the, the guys they were back in 2019. It's beautiful. Um, so the Vikings at that point lead 28 to 17. And they have one defensive drive that's not great. Great, they give up a field goal. So now it's 20 to 28. But ultimately, it's just like some bad defense from there. The Vikings get set up with a 96-yard drive. Um, the, the ball's on the Panthers' four, up eight with two minutes to go, and they give up the touchdown drive. It's kind of a mess. You had one fourth and 10, where Kendricks ends up covering a t uh, tight end, Ian Thomas, on a deep vertical. Um like man to man, that's a really, really difficult assignment, but you, but Kendricks has done that when it was Devonte Adams. So disappointing. Um, and then you had a fourth and six where Cameron Dantzler plays press coverage on a fade to DJ Moore. He gets dusted off the line of scrimmage. There's no reason he should be impressed. He apologized for that play on Twitter. That play, that was such a bad decision. Like Dantzler's like, yeah, that was bad. I got to get better on that one um, to give it up. The touchdown itself was Eric Kendricks. I think just playing it a little bit too shallow. I asked Twitter for some help. Arif Hassan helped me kind of un un untangle that one. I'm not great at coverages, um, but he was just playing something a little bit too shallow, gave too much room to Robbie Anderson in the back of the end zone. Um, by the way, while I'm on him, Robbie Anderson had a terrible game of drops. Everybody dropped a lot of passes. Chuba Hubbard dropped a couple. DJ Moore dropped a couple. Robbie Anderson, I think he had like five, like just an ungodly amount of drops. Absolutely helped the defense. There were times where they gave up lots of separation and Sam Darnold hit it and then the pass was dropped. So it definitely helps the defense with any gaudy stats you see. But I think even after factoring that in, the defense had a really, really good game. Um, and so after that touchdown and then the two-point conversion after that, that ties the game at 28 was a, a cute little shovel pass. I don't really blame anybody for that. It was a good play design. Hats off. Um, so after that, the, the defense would never see the field again because the offense would, would win the game in overtime. Um, but... It was kind of a bitter way to end it. After a really good game, bitter way to 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 end what was otherwise a really, really solid performance. Um, you know, they were all over Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold did not look like a good quarterback, and part of that was because of the pressure the Vikings put on him, and the windows that they made Sam Darnold hit are not windows Sam Darnold could hit. And the drops themselves, some of those were contested catches, some of those were just like the guy was just open and dropped it, some of those wouldn't have gone anywhere anyways. The, the defense played very, very well. Defense is currently fifth in EPA per play, at least uh, I checked that before uh, Steelers Seahawks. I don't know if Steelers Seahawks messed that up, but as of this recording, at least fifth in EPA per play. That's a fantastic turnaround from the disaster that was the first couple of games. Um, the defense is good and the offense needs to pull it together. And there's a lot of stuff the offense needs to talk about. Um, and and we'll, we'll get into all of that. But first, let me talk to you about how you watch TV, because there's all sorts of devices and logins. You're watching live sports on one thing. You've got another login where somebody's watching like on demand stuff and you're, you know, you're on demand favorites, prestige TV or whatever. You got highlights on your phone. You got another login for this. It's too much crap. So consolidate all of it. Get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. DirecTV Stream is a new service that brings all of your live and on demand 
on-demand favorites to one place, so you never have to worry about a million passwords and a million different devices again. That is, once again, DirecTV Stream. You can find more at DirecTV.com. That is DirecTV.com. So the offense had a similarly inconsistent game, but I think it was a much worse game than the defense. The defense played pretty well for most of the game, and then they fell apart at the end, and that's on them, but but most of the game they were pretty good. The offense took a while to kind of wake up. They really disappeared for a good chunk of the first half, but they didn't start bad. The, the start of the defense was, um, of course, they were they basically got the ball in like point-blank range from the interception. They drive down. They get within the 10. Um, they throw a pass to an open-ish Tyler Conklin. Difficult catch. He can't haul it in, and they end up kicking. It was like a fourth and two, and they kick uh, the field goal from, I think, the six or seven-yard line, which is, I think, controversial, and it obviously comes back to haunt them because the game went into overtime. Um, but, you know, whatever. That's going to be the decision early in the game. And then the next time they get down there, um, and they, they get down there again on like a real drive and it's much nicer. And again, they get inside the 10 and Kirk cousins has a third and five inside the 10, like infrared zone, I think was the way that, uh, my good pal, Joe Oberly used to put it on the first podcast I ever did back in like 2017. Um, it, but you know, real deep red zone, right? Point blank range, third and five. Kirk Cousins throws it short of the sticks. I hated that decision. There was a chance to throw it to KJ Osborne at the sticks for a much better chance at a fourth down, and he had the pass protection for it. Pass protection, by the way, was pretty good all day. Not a coincidence that, you know, Christian Darisaw started, and suddenly the pass protection's a lot better. Um, but throwing short of the sticks, and it's one thing if you're going to throw short of the sticks and then go for it, right? If you're thinking, okay, it's third and five, but this is two down territory. We treat it like a second and five. It's to throw short of the sticks is fine. But if you're not planning on going for it, then throwing short of the sticks is really, really bad. And yeah, he had a chance to turn up field, maybe make a play, and that's what the play is supposed to be, but he didn't make the play, and I just don't like making it that hard on yourself. So a couple of really rough decisions to not go for it on a fourth down inside the 10-yard line makes it 7-6 to six after the, uh, the, the fumble that set up the Panthers with good field position. That fumble came between those two scores, by the way, and it came on a pretty cool play play call. I thought it was a power run to the left stapled onto a screen to the right, a tunnel screen to the right. So you had run left or, or screen right, and then Kirk Cousins is making the read live. Um, tunnel screen goes to Justin Jefferson, who got 14 targets on the way, uh, on, on the day, by the way, for those keeping track at home. And I know there's a lot of you. Um, and he fumbles that one. And they actually went back to that play later, so they didn't throw it out or anything. Um, but bad ball security fumbles, and it sets up the Panthers. So the Panthers are up 7-6. to six at that point. Um, so we have these like really bad points looming. The Vikings will go down and actually score another touchdown again um, on a split action zone link. They go all the way down to point blank range, get inside the five um, and split zone is a running play with a tight end coming across the formation and, and then will block the backside of the play. So what you do is you fake that, have the tight end coming across. Defense doesn't have any alarms for that it seems normal tight end comes across all the time but instead of blocking he just leaks out that tight end chris herndon gets his first touchdown as a viking first catch as a viking and it's a touchdown which is fantastic um i think it's his first catch as a viking um but so they get that touchdown they go for two to try to make it a clean uh 14 to 7 they don't get it and then it's 12 to 7 and then it stays 12 to 7 for a really long time panthers get another field goal it's 12 to 10 but the offense just like entirely disappears tons of penalties a few offensive line problems some some run play problems um but the offense disappears for like most of the second quarter and into the third quarter and that includes another end half debacle the vikings had a chance to do the thing where you go down at the end of the half and score get the ball at the beginning of the second half and score and double someone up um and they just totally dissolve in that that 
end half debacle. They end up getting, I think, two penalties, and then it's like a third and long, and then they do a give-up draw, and you know that's that, that's that, and they run the clock out and end up going into the half with nothing just because the possession went so poorly. Um, but that punt block touchdown happens, and it gives the Vikings their first uh, deficit over like one point or over four points in the game. They go, they go down 17 to 12, and it's their first like scary deficit of the game in the second half, and then they wake up. And that is sprung by a very well-blocked C.J. Ham run, third and one. They just do the fullback dive. And Christian Derrissaw absolutely sleds somebody, just pushes him down the road. And uh, CJ and it springs CJ Ham loose for like a 29-yard run by the fullback. Fantastic stuff. And then they end up scoring a touchdown on that. That touchdown comes out of heavy. And if you listen to the Friday show, you know why I am so excited about that. Because that's what I asked them to do. And it is getting less and less, like, ridiculous like, it's not f- as funny because it's not as ridiculous to suggest that the Vikings are listening to the show because they keep doing the stuff that I asked them to do. So either I am thinking very much like an NFL team, which is fantastic news for me. I will take it. Or they are listening to the show because six offensive line felt like an idea out of left field. And they put six offensive line out. Rashad Hill actually got an injury on one of the field goal reps. Um, so it was Mason Cole was the sixth offensive lineman. I don't know if it would have been Hill or not. It's been Hill in the past, though. Um, and he, Mason Cole actually was like a key block on a Dalvin cook, 16 yard touchdown. That was one of those reaching touchdowns. They had to review it to see if it was in or not. Mike Zimmer had to challenge it wins the challenge touchdown Vikings. They go for two again and they don't get it. So the score, it, it gets really weird from there. So it's 18 to 17 at that point. They get another uh, touchdown drive. This one was a phenomenal Adam Thielen catch and a very good throw from Kirk Cousins as well in the end zone. One of those, like, how did he come up with it? It was very reminiscent. If you remember the 2018 Lambeau tie, the one where Adam Thielen catches it and two Packers are, like, closing in. Uh, and that was the one that sent the game into overtime. If you remember that particular play, it was like that one. Um, And so Thielen... Puts them up 25 to 17 and then another field goal. 28 to 17 was the score. And then they sort of clam up as they're trying to put the game away. And this is where the defense starts to collapse. Uh, in particular, there was a frustrating moment where the Vikings were in ostensible field goal range. However, Greg Joseph actually misses two kicks in the fourth quarter, both of them going into what I guess was a pretty bad win. Mike Zimmer said after the game, he wasn't too mad about the misses because the wind was pretty bad. Um, so they were actually in like what would have otherwise been comfortable field goal range, had a third and eight, and then they run the ball. I don't know what their what they reduced their field their like plausible field goal range to, but they didn't want to kick one over fifty yards, I guess, um, because they run the ball. Now they did not try to convert that third and eight; they just ran it again, and it was Alexander Madison again, by the way. And again, the run play is blown up because of an Oli Udo covered or uncovered problem. We talked about this a lot last week, but in zone running. Who you block depends on the defensive alignment and reading whether or not there's a guy in front of you that you have to block. Oli Udo makes the wrong decision. Both he and Brian O'Neill climb up to a linebacker. It's not unlike a blown coverage, you know, in the secondary on defense. Uh, defensive lineman just comes freely into the backfield. Also, Tyler Conklin gets blasted back. I thought he had a pretty bad day as a blocker. Uh, decent day as a receiver, though. Um, and 
The run gets blown up for a loss of three. Vikings punt, and they don't elect to go for what would have otherwise been a reasonable field goal. So I don't know how many yards that run would have had to get to set up a field goal, um, but losing three, I guess, wasn't it. And then they punt. Really, really frustrating, really conservative. I sort of get it with the wind, though. Like, I got to know what the line was, and I probably never will, so I kind of can't answer that question for you. But that's uh, the, the offense's day. And then... Panthers go down and, you know, tie up the game and stuff, and then they get a possession with 46 seconds left to go and two timeouts. Um, that one, again, does not go very well. They punt. The Panthers kneel the the red. They get the Panthers got the ball with like two seconds left. They kneel it out, go to overtime. Vikings win the toss and then orchestrate a fantastically gorgeous drive to go down and score in overtime and it culminates in a 27-yard touchdown pass to KJ Osborne on a corner route where he catches it and then dives at the pylon super dramatic Vikings walk him off he throws his helmet and he says after the game that he he was thinking in overtime if I score the touchdown I'm throwing my helmet as an homage to Stefan Diggs so he does that <laughs> which I think is gorgeous and beautiful and the Vikings walk him off so they get the win I mean it was this crazy game with all sorts of disasters and also all sorts of good stuff and so much like how are we supposed to feel about this game so let me vibe check you and we're going to do that in just a second but first let me talk to you about built bar the best tasting protein bar on the planet built bar is perfect for those late nights where you want something chocolatey but you don't want to fall off the wagon maybe you're doing keto maybe you're just trying to lose or maintain weight and you want to feel like you're cheating satisfy that craving without actually having to cheat it's high in protein high in fiber low calorie low sugar low it's like four grams of sugar like it'll be fine and it comes in a whole bunch of delicious flavors like uh coconut almond just coconut chocolate cherry chocolate peanut butter mint chocolate whatever you like you can find all that. There's nine main series flavor flavors. My favorite thing to order is their sampler box, which is two of each. Um, they also have some limited time flavors that pop across their website every once in a while. So check back every once in a while at built.com. At built.com, you can enter promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. You can get 15% off of your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 at built.com. Also, let's talk about the Grambles. The Vikings spread actually moved to a, they were two and a half point favorites, and then they end up covering that um, when Christian McCaffrey was out, and then it was, you know, Cook and Thielen and Jefferson were in, the line moved. Um, but at BetOnline, you could bet anything. You can bet more than just the spread or the over-under or the money lines. You can bet, uh, you can build your own player props. You can do their live betting stuff. I've been loving that during the primetime games. Go and check all of that stuff out. And Bet online is free to sign up, and when you make your first deposit, you can get some free gambling money as well by entering promo code Locked On. That's L O C K E D O N, all one word, and you can get a fifty percent welcome bonus at BetOnline.com where the game begins. So, how are we supposed to feel about this game? Because the Vikings came in as two and a half point road favorites. And then they both overachieved and underachieved. They covered, so I guess they overachieved, but it doesn't feel like they covered. It doesn't even feel like they've won a game since Seattle, but they have won two games since Seattle. They've rattled off three of four since their 0-2 start. And now we're into the bye week with so much time to just, like, marinate on this game. What do we make of this? I, I was talking to my dad after the game, and he brought up a really good way of thinking about it. The Vikings had about seven chances to win this game, just seven chances to put it away. And they ended up using all seven of them. Those seven chances were the two missed field goals from Greg Joseph into the wind, uh, the third and eight run that could have set up what would have been a game-winning field goal, or you could have converted it or something like that, and that could have been a chance, uh, the two fourth downs on defense on that final 96-yard drive, the two-point conversion on that final drive, that's six, and then overtime was the last chance, and they did it on the last chance. And they could have gotten other chances, too, if they had, you know, stopped the Panthers in overtime if they didn't get it or whatever. Um, but 
so you, you you have seven chances to win this game. So what do you do with that, right? Because it, you can kind of focus on it either way you want. And it depends on the paradigm you already have when you're thinking about the Vikings. If you want to confirm that the Vikings are bad, you can say, man, they needed seven chances to put away the lowly Panthers. If you want to think about the Vikings being good and you want that paradigm, you can say, well, they had so many chances to put away the Panthers because they kicked their butts up and down the field all day and got this 28 to 17 lead at the end. Yeah, of course it took a whole bunch of stuff to go wrong to lose. They earned all that cushion, right? So I don't know. It, I don't think it's very appropriate to like fully go one way or another, although it's really hard not to. Like if you have a preconceived idea, you want to confirm it. It's how our brains work. But like, it's still difficult. Like, what do you make of a crazy game with all this crazy stuff? I, you're almost tempted to just say, well, that one was weird. Guess we got to win and just move on to the next one. Start thinking about the Cowboys after the bye. But I'm not satisfied with that, of course. I want to, you know, answer the question, what happened? And on Wednesday, we'll have our what happened Wednesday. And we'll do that. Um, but for me, I don't really feel very satisfied with going moment to moment and trying to extract some broader narrative about, well, was he too conservative because he did this on third and eight and he did and he didn't go for the two red zone touchdowns and he kicked those two in the red zone and then almost lost the game because of that and all that stuff. That might be a fair critique and lots of people will do that. So I don't feel like I even have to, but I also don't feel like that gets to the crux of the game well enough for me. What I want to understand is how they took the second best defense in the league, at least by EPA per play and put up 517 yards on him. Here's the stat of the game. The Panthers came into that game averaging 255 a game on defense, allowing 255 a game. The Vikings doubled him up. They got 517. That's more than twice the Panthers average. This is a very, very good defense and the Vikings moved the ball, but it doesn't feel like they moved the ball because they had such a lull and they had all these conservative moments where they kicked field goals and maybe they should have gone for it on fourth down or whatever. Um, so it, it, it doesn't feel like they were moving the ball as well as they were moving it. But they did, and they had all these great drives, and you know they scored four touchdowns on the game, including the overtime one. Um, ultimately, it kind of was a good game, but it doesn't feel like a good game because of all the penalties and the blocked punt and all the disasters and the missed field goals and the just chaotic nature of all of it. I, I should probably talk about Kirk Cousins and the chaos meter. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, the chaos meter will be up on the screen. If not, you can find it on Twitter or in my zone coverage article. If you're interested in it, it's, it is a, a halfway joke thing that I've made to measure how chaotic Kirk's game was. Not necessarily how good it was, but how chaotic. And I put it in the green, which is the best place for it to be because it was kind of chaotic. You had, I mean, he Kirk Cousins fumbled on a pump fake once. And it was ruled an incomplete pass, but it was clearly a pump fake and the ball fell out of his hand. Like, what? That's insanely chaotic. Um, he also had some extremely conservative moments, like th throwing short of the sticks on third down in the in the red zone. But ultimately, Kirk Cousins got the ball in overtime. All that stuff, smooth it all out, 0-0 game, overtime, sudden death, go down, score a touchdown, and win, and he did it. And it was on a strike, too. It was a really good play, that touchdown by Kirk Cousins. So... I, I I say we get to credit him with a pretty good win here, and it's kind of what he's done all year. The Vikings have all of these close, crazy games, and most of the time when Kirk Cousins has had to answer the call, he's done his part. He's gotten them down where they need to go, and then the kicker misses the field goal, or the defense gives it back up the way, you know, on the way back or whatever. The clock management is weird or something like that, and there's always something else going on, but by and large, Kirk Cousins has done his part in these games and hopefully we can start winning them a little bit more comfortably though the schedule gets a little harder upcoming so we'll see how they handle all that but we got lots of time to talk about it last thing i want to discuss right quick is the referees i usually don't want to talk about the refs i don't find it very interesting but it 
bears mentioning um i'm usually really fair to the refs like maybe too fair to the refs i've been insulted online about it before which is hilarious but like i I, the refs have a hard job and i think most of the time angry fans love to be mad at the refs and non-angry fans love to be mad at the refs and basically just default to the refs did the wrong thing every time there's any kind of question about it so i try to be very very fair to them all of that prefacing aside, they were bad in this one. It was it was a poorly officiated game. A, I thought they called the Vikings a lot tighter than they called the Panthers. And again, I'm usually not a homer about this kind of thing. I usually bias toward the refs, but there were some pretty ticky-tack holding penalties on the Vikings, and the Panthers got away with some egregious ones. That's really, really frustrating. It's probably just the refs didn't see it. It's not like this conspiracy called in from Vegas to get the Panthers to cover, which they didn't in, in the end anyways. Um, but... It's frustrating, right? But also there were these game flow issues that just really, really frustrated me. Like NFL, get it together. They took way too long to do reviews, way too long to figure out the kind of routine idiosyncrasies of a play, like what the game clock should be reset to and where the ball should be spotted when it actually was a catch and not, you know, an incomplete or whatever. And just figuring out all those things, it felt like they were doing this for the first time. It's week six, get it together, NFL. But with all of that said... The Vikings win, they're at 500, they're in the bye week, and they get to go try to fix some stuff. And we'll talk about the stuff that they have to fix. Coaches' seat gets a little cooler when you win two in a row, even if you win them ugly. So we're probably not talking about that at the bye week, although I still will have that discussion, I think, um, sometime over the bye week, hopefully. And uh, we'll go from there. If you want to follow a little bit more of this, you can find my Twitter, Luke Braun NFL. The show's on Twitter at Locked on Vikings. Peacock and Williamson podcast should be your second listen of the day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen. Peacock Williamson is a national show. They're doing things from the national angle, doing a great job over there. So go check them out. I will see you all tomorrow. And as always, skull.